1: We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome, I'm Bishop Heather Shea from the United Palace of Spiritual Arts, here with my co-host, Rev. Dr. Jose Roman, and today's guest is the award-winning spiritual mentor and author, Sister Jenna. Thank you for joining us as we explore the Brahma Kumaris.
2: Sister Juno, let's begin with something very, very, very simple. Mm. What in fact what, in fact, does the term
0: Brahma Kumaris mean? Well, that's not a simple question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, one of my roles in the Brahma Kumaris is to be a bridge and to be a decoder of very ancient ways of, the tradition but the brahma kumaris actually came about as a result of the founder father brahma baba who had a series of downloads in the 30s and i just want you to imagine your own journey when you're just walking and moving around in the world and you have certain questions about the purpose of life the meaning of life why you're here maybe you go to your churches your mosques your temples but you still felt something was a void, which he did. He had uh, 12 gurus at the time. And just a very divine entry of the energy of God's pure vibration of peace and love in silence just awakened his consciousness. And I can only try to imagine what it was like that when you've done your awakening and something pops open for you, your friends start to notice that something about you has changed. The community starts to notice something about you has changed. And people start to talk about you. So what turned out to be one man's awakening became a global movement, movement entitled the Brahma Kumaris because his awakening started to create within him the, the experience of the Brahma, which means the energy of creation, which is focused or stemmed or rooted in the energy of purity. So that's how the Brahma Kumaris first started, it was the entry of one person having a very broad awakening. The people in the community saw something had changed. From one person, it became 300 people within his village that were just coming and being with him. And from the 30s, 1936 to 2020, there are 9,000 centers in 120 countries with no plan, no strategy that that was going to happen, just moving based on the awakening of God's entry and God's pure vibration. Interesting, now, huh?
2: Absolutely it is. What's One aspect um, of this remarkable tradition that really needs to be spoken of, it's a significant part of both its history and its present reality is the pivotal role of women within the tradition. Can you speak a little to that?
0: Yeah, maybe that's one of the reasons why I resonate so well with the Brahma Kumaris. But, um, and Brahma Baba always used to say that this isn't his touching, this isn't his idea. But as he went deeper into silence, into reflection, into the connection with God the Supreme, it was as if the thoughts that was were entering his consciousness was the role of upliftment for humanity will not be by men, but it will be by women. Women who have empowered themselves spiritually will become the catalyst to bring the world together and unite the world as one. That was fascinating.
2: Are all the leaders of the Brahma Kumaris today women?
0: No, no. Um, The majority, right now I think the percentage is about 70 to 30, maybe, maybe 65% are, are women that are leading in terms of the directors and the heads of the organ of the different branches around the world. But the men have played a very pivotal role. You see, Brahma Baba, I, I guess the way that he would listen to the sound and the whisper of God's presence, it's as if, you know, you and I have our own ideas But when that gentle whisper takes over your ideas, it just takes you in a completely different path of thinking. And so without him really knowing, the role of the men in the Brahma Kumaris have been the backbone to the organization. And something that was revealed to us later on was that when the soul is in the body or the gender of a female, there tends to be a little bit more of the energy of attachment in her persona. So the idea is, let her be so attached to God that nothing will interfere in her consciousness. And for the role of man, it would be that sometimes um, some men in the, you know, some souls in the gender of men would feel like there might be some issues with the ego or the fact that I'm, you know, man and I'm dominant that he would be the one that would basically listen to the woman, would really serve, and would honor the role of the woman who were predominantly mothers. And what that was doing was balancing out his, his, his energy within that would bring a kind of a sensitivity and a gentleness to his nature, which gave him a special quality of leadership where there is a softness to his personality, but also a very deep strength that was very humble. And no more had the ego. So when we look back in time, Jose and Heather, we began to realize how brilliant was that, you know, that he made the woman so balanced to remove a lot of the attachment and to become more balanced and logical and meaningful, and not so emotional, and the men very gentle, very sensitive, very caring. That both genders learned how to develop their strengths instead of allow their weaknesses to, you know, pervade their gender, which we sometimes struggle with in the world today. That we so we see so much inequality as a result of not addressing certain issues.
1: How lovely that is! Is mm-hmm. that a wonderful lesson for the rest of the planet? Mm -hmm. And uh, I experienced that when I was up at Peace Village, and I encourage our listeners and our viewers, uh, Peace Village is in the Catskills in the New York area, and an extraordinary experience, um, a very balanced community, a very warm community to really experience the the message and the meaning of of what you're sharing. And I will not do this name justice, so I'm going to let you, Jose, if you can pronounce the name, uh, who is...
2: Likaraj Kripalani.
0: Yes, yes. So that's, um, that was the name of Brahma Baba before his awakening. Sort of like when you get married for some women, they have to change their last names. So Lekraj Karpalani was Brahma Baba. Um, So when he was running his businesses and being a father and taking care of his community, his original name was Lekraj Karpalani. And after his awakening happened, it was as if he didn't feel that resonance to the way that he lived, and then the transformation of his name occurred, where he was started to be called Brahma, and then they called him Brahma Baba. So he is never he used tra- this old name anymore.
2: So is he treated as a as a prophet or a god realized person, or, um, or or do these designations have any meaning within the context of the tradition?
0: From what I've understood in the beginning days, and you can only imagine. Uh, I can only speak from my own personal awakening, there's something that happens when the energy of sacred energy starts to influence your personality and your consciousness. That I believe that at the beginning, there was somehow a feeling, wow, look at the energy that's working through me. Look at how many hundreds of people are coming to me and saying, you are Krishna, you are God, There's, there's a light all around you. So there was a particular early period in his journey that he thought he was God, but only to realize just a few years later, he goes, there's nowhere I can be God. I've got too many imperfections that I have to work on. So Mm -hmm. then after that realization came about in him, he was telling the community, no human being can be God. God is only one. God is the supreme energy. We are his creation. And it's time for us to study to understand who we are as souls, why we're here and who we belong to. So in the Brahma Kumari community, we have no gurus, we have no godheads, you know, we have no one that deems the big person in charge. Everyone that you meet in the BKs, you will get a feeling that they're really students and they're all students of life. And yes, Brahma Baba has set a beautiful example, a very high example for us to follow. But then he has educated so many generations down. So, for example, after Brahma Baba, he passed away on January 18th, 1969. He left in charge eight women. Half of them were uneducated. None of them went to school. They were uneducated women. They didn't even know outside of what Pakistan looked like, which is where it originated from before they relocated to India. And when they were in India and Brahma Baba passed on the 18th of January, those young ladies in particular too, Daddy Prakashmani, you might be able to see their pictures here. So Daddy Prakashmani was really my superstar. Mm. And then Daddy Janki was my other superstar, right? And these young ladies were left in charge of the Brahma Kumaris. And as a result of that, they sustained the principles that everyone was taught by God through Brahma Baba. And the, what I loved about their story is that they were alive and we saw the proof of that. We knew them, we felt with them, they've slept in our places, we've eaten with them, we've played with them, and we saw with our own eyes. Those living principles were continued in the pa- on the path. And so um, from the daddies came some of the other generations, the elders who we call also seniors. And then from the seniors would come another generation who become another seniors and so on. So the tradition continues to feed through all generations the principles and principles that are rooted in universal laws, real universal laws that nobody can touch or pollute.
2: Heather, I know that you had a question about their relationship to the Hindu
1: faith. Do you want to ask that? So maybe, maybe explore that because it, it's, it's very di- different than the Hindu tradition. But if you explain the, the commonality, and I think there may be some confusion at some point for people. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't raised a Hindu. My dad was Hindu in, from India. My mother is an African Caribbean who is Roman Catholic. And growing up in my home, I saw pictures of Krishna, Gandhi, um, Guru Nanak. And then being with my mother, I saw a cross. I saw a man who was called Jesus hanging on that cross. I saw a Bible and I saw a Gita. And so from a very young age, my interpretation was, wow, I guess I can interpret God the way I want to so that I'm comfortable with it. Because there's no way the way that my father loves God is right over the way my mother loves God. Because I love both of my parents. But in terms of the Brahma Kumaris, even though the tradition of Hinduism is rooted in the Indian culture, there are aspects in its philosophy which Brahma Baba felt needed to be refined and to be clarified So the Brahma Kumaris would take the direction more of clarifying some Hindu principles to make them more spiritually inclined and more practically inclined. We're a devotee or let's say, not even a devotee, we're a student or a child of the divine would really use these spiritual principles that they can pull from Hinduism to really enhance their lives. And let me give a very simple example to this answer that I've given. A lot of times we take, we try to look for our answers from outside. What the Brahma Kumari's focus is on is that your answers lie within. There are no religious beliefs. There are no religious tendencies there. You don't look for your answers inside because you're a Hindu. You look for your answers inside because you're a soul. And the original religion of every soul on the planet is peace. And so when the Brahma Kumaris, you know, kind of moves away from the Hindu tradition, it actually refines the deeper significance and the deeper meaning of what all faiths actually meant when founders really began to have their own awakening. And as you all know, Hinduism doesn't have a founder. It's more like a philosophy, a way of life. So I've always had a very funny story, Jose and Heather, you're going to love this. You know, growing up a non-Hindu, second generation Indian American in the United States, sometimes I'll ask somebody from India um, a question about a part in the scripture And I can ask 10 Indians that same question, and I'll get 10 different answers. (laughs) And that's what makes Hinduism such a wonderful, entertaining experience. Because, again, I don't know if I was rooted and, and I was raised in Hinduism, maybe I would understand what all those 10 renditions mean. But as a person with a lot of Western understanding, balanced with Eastern feelings, I go, well, what are you saying? For example, even one word in Hinduism, I'll ask them to pronounce the one word or give me the definition of that one word in Hinduism, and I get like another meaning. I go, but how did, you know, what, what did you just say? <laughs> so in the Brahma Kumaris, it's always there to kind of clarify concepts. We want individuals to be clear because the clearer your link is with yourself and with God, the better off will be the experience.
2: Is this the reason why many Brahma Kumaris speak of their tradition as a medium of teaching rather than a religion?
0: Perhaps, yeah. Because, yes, we do believe that through knowledge and education, the soul develops a great deal of power and strength and conviction. And I feel that the more inner awareness we develop and the more clarity we have with our awareness, we can be of more service to humanity. And isn't that what we all want, that we all want to be used by God? Indeed. You know, we want this life to be one of purpose, but sometimes we're not clear, Jose and Heather, because we just get in our own way because we don't know ourselves much. So the teachings is really get to know what is at the core of your soul. Listen.
1: That sounds like one of the basic beliefs. And of course, you mentioned peace. What are some of the other core beliefs of the UK's?
0: Um, Well, we believe the original religion and nature of the soul is peace. Love, purity, truth, and joy. And what has moved us away from believing and accepting and experiencing that is an acronym that I use all the time. It's algae, the opposite to the original nature of the self. So, algae stands for um, the A stands for anger, L lust, G greed. A, attachment, and E for ego. And so what happens is, imagine this is my real self, the spiritual me, the real me that I really want to be in the world. But over a period of time, the acquired me, the algae, has sort of taken over the way I think, perceive myself, and perceive perceive the world around me. So as a result, it sort of reduces the intensity of who I really am. So through the teachings of the Brahma Kumaras, with, in which the main principle of teaching is Raj Yoga, Raj Yoga meditation shows you that this isn't who you are. These are your thoughts that have become natural and conditioned to believe you are only your gender, your race, your religion, your country, your language, and that's creating conflict and fear because you're always going to be in a situation where someone's going to test and challenge what you believe in. And if it's a belief of a limited dimension of yourself, you're going to have fear and you're going to move away from who you really are. So in the teachings, we remind everyone the original nature is of this. And in order to bring it back, the soul has to have a deep connection, link, relationship with the supreme energy, the father of all souls, God.
2: So which really brings up what is in fact the concept of God that exists within the, the Brahma Kumari tradition.
0: How do you perceive God? How do you understand God? What is God? Over a period of time, my interpretation of that has been refined. When mm-hmm. I first came into the Brahma Kumaris, my introduction to God was that God is a point of light, resides in the world of silence, in the supreme abode, and in every every religious tradition, They call that place heaven. For Christians, Muslims, it's Bahisht, Buddhist, Nirvana. And so this was at my beginning. There's a point of powerful, profound light energy residing up above. And the energy of God is equivalent to an ocean of love and peace and purity and truth and joy. And in order to experience the energy of God, you have to remember who you are, and that is a peaceful soul, a pure soul, a loving soul, in order to begin to feel the energy of the divine force and the divine being of the Supreme Father beginning to influence the way you have forgotten who you used to be. He starts to awaken that in you. So So that's... I apologize for interrupting, but that's what you mean by soul consciousness, isn't it? Yeah, when I am in the awareness that my original nature is peace and purity, that is soul consciousness. And so because the world is so humanly driven and so materialistically driven, we don't always have the remembrance of soul awareness. So one of our practices is that as we're walking and moving around, we practice remembering who we are, and connect to the Supreme Being. Now, just to close, as my understanding and experience of God started to to broaden more and more for me, everyone, it was no longer just a point of light for me, but it became clear this energy is existing for everyone like the sun. And if my vices, the algae, it's like an umbrella, You know, here's God just sending down all these rays of love and power so we can live our full life. And here I am holding umbrella because I can't handle the rays. So I call the umbrella the algae. So this energy of God in the Brahma Kumari's tradition for us belongs to everyone. Uh, Whether you're Jewish, Christian, Buddhist even, uh, a Sikh, or even an atheist, the energy of God is yours. The question is, do you feel that you're worthy enough or valuable enough to receive such a beautiful experience from the divine?
1: I love the concept of uh, algae and I love that term. So that's something that I wrote down and make a note of could go back. Because that makes such sense of kind of what gets in the way? And it's so much you know, easier saying, well, I'm human or whatever. It just sort of gives it a nice a phrasing um, and, and seeing that I am human. Talk about human beings. So why do
0: humans exist What's our purpose? Just to be troublemakers, Heather. (laughs) 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 We're just here to just create trouble and be naughty. You know, we are here to live. We're here to have victories and defeats, ups and downs, ins and outs. And I think that each soul, when they leave God's womb, will come down here and have the most fantastic life. And what somehow emerges through them, um, where the algae starts to take birth starts to create a very interesting drama. and this is what we have today in the world. A lot of God's children totally driven by the algae and have totally forgotten who they were. If there was no algae in our personality, do you think we would have prisons? Do you think we would have hospitals? Do you th- no offense to you, Jose? We wouldn't have lawyers either. <laughs> no offense really. None taken. <laughs> but it's just that we would be we would be okay. And what makes this time so beautiful, everyone, everyone who is watching this and listening to this today, you are at the most profound point in your life to get it. To really get why you're breathing and the opportunity to experience love in such a way that it just can't even match the love that we see in television or maybe the closest love is like when you have a child or you're out in nature. Can I tell you? It's even a hundred times more than that. Who doesn't want to walk around with that feeling?
2: Is it, is it true that the uh, Brahma Kumaris teach that all souls originally existed in a kind of, I think it's called a soul world, In in total union with God, a world that was defined by perfect infinite light, perfect infinite peace, perfect infinite silence, and that this is really where we all originate from. Is that absolutely correct? I love that question.
0: Yes, why not? (laughs) Nothing else makes sense.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Because it raises a second, much more difficult question. And that is, if indeed that is where we resided. Why would we leave that bliss to come here, to this plane of existence?
0: Sure. Why do you go to the gas station when you're running on empty? To be full again. It's all a part of nature, Jose, that imagine this. And I'm going to slow down a little bit here because as much as I know we don't have a lot of time. See, I like conversations like what Heather and I would have in a living room where there's <laughs> no time limit. And I know. You can, just, you can just have really heartfelt conversations and no one's competing with each other's information. We're just all learning with each other. Absolutely. But um, I want everyone to just pause for a little um, We've lost Daddy Janky, who's 104, just a month ago. Mm. And of course, during the COVID situation, no one can fly out to see her. The cremation was done in less than eight hours, and there weren't a lot of people, and people had to stand six feet apart. Wow. So, just to give you an idea, um, once the soul left the body, the body was burned. Mm hmm. And whilst the body was being burned, that soul wasn't screaming, stop burning my body. So where does the soul go? So in our tradition, based on the way you've lived your life, if you've lived your life completely pure-hearted, intentionally driven, peaceful, loving, it's time to go back home to the Father because that's the way He sends you down. If there's still certain issues, there's still someone you haven't forgiven, there's still an attachment somewhere, there's still a pain in your heart, there's still an unresolved issue, we believe that you will come back in another body to get another chance to clear out that energy in the soul. Because we're here to live purely and lovingly and happily. And if we're leaving our bodies without that feeling, then it's as if the soul is, look, it doesn't feel the experience of being absolutely free. It says, I have to finish this. I have to finish this. So it comes back.
1: This is Bishop Heather Shea. We will be back in just a minute with our special guest, Sister Jenna. Thank you for listening.
3: We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world.
1: Welcome back. We now return to our conversation about the
0: BKs. So the reason why in the Brahma Kumari tradition, we welcome all religions, all faiths, and people who might not even have any belief system is that we believe all souls come from the Supreme. And all souls have the energy of good and purity in them. So if we've come from there, Jose, we actually come down here on the earth to play out a beautiful role called life. Don't you love life? I mean, it's fantastic, isn't it? Mm, Absolutely. I mean, the team at United Palace, they're fantastic. Would Heather want to trade you for anyone else in the world? Heather, say (laughs) no. Heather, say no. (laughs) (laughs) By by the way, we wouldn't trade her for anything. That's the other side of it. Exactly. And so when you think about just the beauty of relationships, they feel so heavenly. Sometimes you just don't want to let those go. So life is a gift. It's a fortune. It's a blessing. But it comes a point in time when you're like, okay, I think I've kind of played enough parts here on the earth. I've been here, I've done that, I've been a man, I've been a woman, I've been Christian, I've been Jew, I've been an atheist, I've been rich, I've been poor. Who knows? It depends on that individual soul's journey. But it will reach a point in its journey that it says, I just really want to be how I was when I first came here. And it starts to seek the vibration and the experience of what a life of purity feels like, a life of peace a life of service, a life of love, and it starts to practice that in their relationships and how it earns and spends money and how it uses its mind and how it's take care of the body, the environment, the elements. And the more the soul receives the experience of acting from that place of principle and love and truth, it starts to feel very light, Jose and Heather, So then naturally, when you don't feel you have any more negative karmic issue holding you down, you're like, let me go back to where I came from. So we call God affectionately here, Baba. So we'll say, I'm going back now to Baba. I have no pulls left right now. And that's after you've lived out your story for a long period of time. And I feel like it's really fair, Jose, that God has never told you or me that he was Jewish, Hindu. Christian, or anything of that nature. We did. And we put these titles on God because of geography and language and culture and all of that. But who is this energy? It's such a pure, benevolent force that's constant like the sun that's out right now. It's just shining. And it says, do you want to take me? Take. Take as much as you want. And that's where I love in the meditations that we do The meditations help us to discern what thoughts are influenced by algae and what thoughts are influenced by my true self. And the more we can break away from the attachments to these labels, our name, our gender, our role, our religion, our title, then we can feel the essence of God. I actually have a meditation that if you like, I would love to play that. And when we come back, if you give me the permission, when we come back, tell me you didn't feel something beyond this world after this meditation. Are you open for that? Absolutely, Heather. Sounds wonderful. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Yes. Make sure you fasten your seatbelt, even though you're going for a flight. <laughs> <laughs> <Will do. laughs> All right. So just take a deep breath and just relax for a little bit. This is one of our videos that we've played on many public programs, but the intention of it is to ask the question, what if I really decided to let go of my attachments to my role in gender? How would I feel? So enjoy it.
3: Om Shanti. The time that we choose to be aware doesn't necessarily require me to just sit and meditate, but even while I walk and move around, I can be in a meditative awareness, which is awareness of the soul, the original, eternal, imperishable being of light. Observe how you're feeling as you are gradually letting go. Let go of your religion and put it aside just for now. And let go of your nationality and even the language that you're accustomed to. Imagine you have no name, gender, role, title, religion, nationality or even a language. Ask yourself, how do you feel at this moment? And in this feeling, who would think of you and who would you think of? A free, peaceful, pure, immortal, and eternal soul. Allow yourself to just be absorbed. This awareness at this time.
0: Thank you. Yeah. It's been one of the practices that I'm I specifically use in large audiences because. A lot of individuals struggle with the concept of meditation and um, we don't teach you to empty your mind, but we do guide you to reduce the waste and negative thoughts in your mind so that you can nurture the thoughts that are towards your aim, your vision, and your higher purpose. Jose, how did that feel? Did you take off for a little bit?
2: I did. It was. It's so, It's liberating to to give oneself the permission to let go of one sense of identity, one sense of gender and race and color and and social status and titles, and really identify with something infinitely deeper and more basic.
0: And what Um, starts to happen as well, and I don't know if Heather and all of you that are watching in, if you felt a sense of your silence increasing... You know, a sense of peace within you naturally increasing because the, the, the whole attachment to all these labels, there have been so many issues that still the memory or the vibration of the peacelessness that I felt as a result of trying to defend my gender or defend my work ethics or defend my religion, sometimes that vibration attacks my original peace and that creates too much noise up here. But when you just, you know, just let it go and start to feel the essence of what deep peace feels like, who you really are, and can feel God really wanting to fill you up with all of His qualities, He's saying, okay, now go out and be the best Christian. Go out and be the best Jew. Go out and be the best Hindu. Just take my energy in you so that you can show how peaceful I am as a Christian how peaceful I am as a Jew, how peaceful I am as a Muslim, and so on. So that's the purpose of, you know, the way we teach and even that meditation. That's what you get back in return. It reminds you how to be in your tradition, in your family, in your gender, in your job.
1: Lovely. Part of what we believe at, at the United Palace of Spiritual Arts is very similar. This idea of letting people... Be their own artist, be their own creation, and, and experience their life in their in their own their own way. And people often ask me, "Well, you know, are you Christian? Are you this? Are you that?" It's like we're very much in, in in peace and harmony with with the truth and with peace. And and you know, our message is is spreading. But I, I want to talk more about. The BKs because again it started with one person and is now expanding and and I mentioned I had the, the magnificent uh, glory of going up to Peace Village and experiencing being you know, in this environment for a number of days and how do how do people get access to something like Peace Village or to, if they want to get more experience first of all how did you how did this grow and how does it keep growing and how can people access it.
0: Um, I think that uh, I'll start from a very subtle dimension which is I think there are many of us walking around the world right now that uh, we're being sort of nudged you know by this quiet whisper in our consciousness that we're seeking something more about who we need to be. We're seeking resolve um, power love. Some will but be very specific that I want God. Some will say I want a community. And from that internal place, karmically, energetically, sometimes souls get attracted to where they need to be. And in terms of for the Brahma Kumaris, it could be through word of mouth. Many of the individuals who come into our over 9,000 centers are word of mouth. Or it could be through a flyer or it could have been through a radio program or your program, or it could be now we have so many television programs that are going on globally. It could be through an event <laughs> that we attended. It could be in an event that they attended that what happens is that if the energy of the space resonates with you, if you feel the purity and the connection of the community, then people start to practice there. There's one thing that I've loved about the Brahma Kumaris. We don't, and can't convert anyone. It just has to be in you. You have to want this for you. Because the practice and the principles require you to be really honest with your transformation of the self. And through your honesty, there's an openness to be more in service and to be a guide, you know, naturally to be a guide through your transformation, you become a guide. So that's really how people find us. Uh, of course, all the centers collaborate with each other. For example, Peace Village. You know, we host the America Meditating Retreat, which you know of Heather, every year. And we take guests from my popular radio show to to, to Peace Village, not for conversion, but to enhance their spiritual capacity. Everyone who joins my radio show are people that I specially select because they're doing such good in the world. And it was a morning experience I had, everyone, that I felt these are such special souls if they could only feel a sense of community. And so now with the America Meditating family, there are hundreds of individuals who feel so community-oriented with each other that are taking spiritual support. So again, we're also a catalyst to, to create you know, powerful groups of people to feel like they can be more in service. So I wouldn't say that the BKs are really out there, always building and expanding. I know we will automatically expand. We expand one person at a time. We never devalue the power of one person in the room. And that's how it has grown, by valuing that one person sitting in front of you. When I came to D.C., there were no students, Heather, not one. And I used to have just one student, it's a beautiful young girl, who was a med student at George Washington University. And I sat there and I taught her like I was teaching a million folks, you know, putting so much into her because I knew she was going to be the next in line. And sure enough, you know, we've got two museums. The respect in the area is, is, you know, is pristine. Our relationships are deep and noble. And that's pretty much everywhere around the world with the Brahma Kumaris. It's,
2: It's clear that one of your major practices is meditation, meditation that truly connects you to your true identity as immortal soul. What are other practices? For example, I hear that celibacy plays a role in in the Brahma Kumari life, that vegetarianism, abstaining from alcohol and abstaining from tobacco. Can you speak to some of these other practices that are central to Brahma Kumari life?
0: Yes, you know, when your awakening happens, um, and let's say if you had certain habits that weren't very healthy, through your own personal spiritual awakening, you, the soul, just decide on your own, I don't think I want to be promiscuous anymore. I don't think I want to drink anymore. I I don't want to live my life like that anymore, because souls begin to realize that they're at a very, very special age. It's an age that we call a diamond age, the confluence age, which I believe is now. So this confluence age is this sort of um, moment and part of your awakening that is the huge transformation. And what we've come to understand, whether it's through the Brahma Kumaris or just through our own inner awakening and development, is that this is a particular period to preserve our powers, to preserve our spiritual energies. Because the world never comes to an end. Negativity and darkness will come to an end. Negativity and darkness is fed by the algae. And yes, algae is recorded in our personality. And if the algae loves promiscuity, if the algae loves a lot of meat consumption, if the algae, if the algae loves a lot of narcotics and the system aggressive behavior, then you realize that that has to come to an end because it cannot sustain itself. So through the awakening of consciousness, which comes through soul consciousness, connection with God, the Supreme Soul, you naturally feel, I don't need that anymore. It's like a natural experience that comes over you, and you begin to replace certain habits that used to be the norm for you, which is no longer your norm. I haven't had meat in 30 years, and I'm half Jamaican. And we (laughs) do pork and chicken and oxtail and curried goat. And even as I speak about it, I'm giving them blessings in my mind and going, I'm so sorry I hurt you. (laughs) You know, so it's just like even if I go to the supermarket, everyone, and when you walk by the meat section and then you walk by produce, you feel the vibrations for yourself. It's a completely different world. If if I practice
2: um, this tradition, must I become not not merely um, abstain from, if you will, promiscuous sex, all
3: sex of those things, but, yeah. but
2: must I must I abstain from sex itself? Must I be celibate?
0: It's up to you. It's going to be completely your choice. Okay. It's completely your decision. We can't force you not to have it, especially for your husband and a wife, but it depends on just your inner experiences. There comes a point in time that, I mean, I was in my 20s. I was in the prime of my hormones, (laughs) just to give you an idea. (laughs) And to be very honest with you, my mother, you know, at 17, 18, she used to always tell me, Jen, Jen, just always stay pure. And I knew she was signaling to just keep your virginity. And I would look at her like, oh, my God, that is so not going to (laughs) happen. But as I was growing and I'm moving into it, you know, um, the experience of God's love and purity, I never even thought that I even needed it. Honestly, it's like it's not even an issue and you just don't even think about it it just doesn't become an issue have i had moments when there's been a hormonal imbalance or a hormonal quest or feeling of course within my almost 30 years i've had maybe four or five bouts of like oh what was that feeling and then i go i'm too busy you know so you move on so again it's not an interest you realize that energy within the soul is so important for you and if that energy can be channeled in a way to uplift humanity then why not why not
1: when you talk about studying and being a student and a teacher um and if i were going to say i'd like to learn some more are there scriptures or texts or what 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 do you read or what would you suggest to our listeners or viewers
0: we don't have a scripture, but we do have a daily teaching which is called the Merli. And the Murli's were transcribed by one of our senior daddies who's still alive. Ishu Daddy is her name. And she's still alive. She's in her nineties. That's what I love about the B case. The original founders are still here to tell you the stories of its origin. And they have told, you know, they then tell you how far they've come. But anyway, um, it were they. She captured the thoughts that were governed by, through, by the divine through Brahma Baba, right? So it wasn't a scripture. But haven't you had Heather and Jose moments of inspiration? But nobody was there to capture it, and you don't remember when the moment passes. Yes. And there yes. were very powerful moments, right? You're like, oh yes. my gosh, what did I just think? What did just come out of my mouth? And so, because when Brahma Baba was around, uh, Ishudadi had the opportunity to actually transcribe everything that Baba used to say. And from 1963 until his passing of 1969, those teachings known as the Murli is what we read every morning. Now, here's the united story, everyone. The same Murli, which is the teachings from Baba, is read in India, in Australia, in China, in Africa, in Europe, in Central and South America, in the United States of America, the same day. No one's fighting over, no, I don't want to read this this story that Babu said. Nobody says, no, I'm going to choose this class to give because this is where we are. It's the same Murli, really, the same class on the same day read by all the 9,000 branches to the over a million students worldwide. And that, to me, proves the foundation of who the teacher is. It's a divine, that nobody can fight it. So um, it's not like a public literature. You know, it's, it's, it's there when you come into the class. Things have changed a lot now. So you can find it online, however, You won't understand the interpretation because you're coming in like in the middle of the movie. So it's good to get an idea of the beginning genesis of it in order to value the authenticity of the storyline and to be able to find yourself in the story and make the accurate adjustments needed for your story to be lived fully. So we don't have a scripture, but we do have a teaching called The Morning Merli which all the students study every day, every morning at 6.15 in every one of the centers. Did I tell you that we get up like at four o'clock in the morning? Jose, don't you love that? <laughs> <laughs> actually, I do, actually. I'm an early morning person, yes. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad to hear that. So it's going to yeah. be easy for you. So yeah. time, uh, we call it Amit Vela, which is known as Brahm Murat, which means mm. the early morning hours is when your conscience gets cleansed because you can really see who you are and you have God's full attention and it's the time that you can really purify your nature and at 6 o'clock, 6.15 in all the branches, there's the Murli, the class, the same lesson for the day to all the 9,000 centers and then after that we will have our breakfast then every hour we pause for 30 seconds to 3 minutes for a practice called Traffic control and we pause the you know the speediness of the thoughts and the highway of the mind to just go back to om shanti who am i why am i here who do i belong to
1: you've been listening to our series open heart conversations from the united palace of spiritual arts here in new york city until next time